Hey friends, welcome in to the Deeply Funny Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Yaney. Today we'll be in conversation with Po Hong Yu. Po is a podcaster, a somatic healer, a creator, a medicine woman, and genuinely just a great human to kick back and play with your inner child together. <laughs> Today's conversation is deeply funny. It is truly embodying the heart of what this podcast is all about. We do a deep dive into the divine blend of masculine and feminine. Talk about what happens when you really start to open up your body and learn to deeply trust yourself and all the beauty that can come out of kicking back, sharing some laughs, and remembering that medicine too can be humor. (laughs) I know you guys are going to pull something great out of this conversation today. We have such a fun dialogue and I just can't wait for y'all to dive in. Let's hit it. All right. Oh, welcome into the Deeply Funny Podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I'm already, I already feel like I want to laugh. I <laughs> like, know. I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> I think we're starting this episode at an 11. So for anyone listening, you better get ready because I have a feeling that we're going to be kind of all over the place today. A little goofy, a little silly. I feel like a fireball. So get ready. Oh my God. So, Poe, I know for our listeners, I love if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, You know, Poe also runs a podcast, so you guys have got to check it out. We'll make sure that she gets her plug in at the end. But yeah, why don't you go ahead and let us know who you are, what you're all about? Hi, everybody. (laughs) My name is (laughs) is Poe Hong Yu. Most people call me Poe. I am a somatic healer. I am a plant medicine facilitator, a medicine woman, a self-intimacy guide, and I also support women in their process of becoming more visible and being seen. Um, And I have a history of being an acupuncturist as well. So my foundation is Taoism because Taoism is where acupuncture comes from, but also my spiritual teacher, who is my dad, um, is a Taoist spiritual teacher. And I would dare to say monk, even though he doesn't call himself that. He doesn't have any titles at all, but he used to be a Jesuit priest before he met my mom. Um, So he, yeah. So anyway, he's guided me in this whole journey of really tapping into the wisdom of yin and yang energy, which is feminine and masculine energy, and even more specifically, the yin, which is the feminine. So like the surrender piece, I do a lot of work around receptivity and softening and really allowing ourselves to embrace the fullness of life and surrender to where life is guiding us and our intuition and our knowing and remembering who we are. Um, so yeah, I, I do a bunch of different things, but the core of it is really, I think, around remembering who we are and allowing ourselves to live from that place. Oh, I sat down for like five or 10 minutes to meditate today, um, just in preparation for our episode. And I was like, okay, what, what do I think is going to come through here? What are we going to talk about? And it was like everything you just laid out right now. <laughs> I have chills. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. So y'all, I think this is going to be great. The gods are on our side. Get ready. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, You know, the best part about having a podcast is you can just be as weird as you want to. And if people are listening, you're like, well, 
it's not for you. I guess you probably just stopped. Sorry if that was too woo woo. Anyway, here we go. Get ready. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. I love that about being a podcast host. Like it's yours and we have our own expression and it's so unique and perfect and awesome. And those who are going to gravitate are going to gravitate. And those who aren't, it's like a perfect filter, you know, it's like, okay, bye. Hi, bye. You know, dude, I just, my friend like sends me like the weirdest TikToks. Like, it's like, I don't even think she always thinks they're funny. She just sends me the weirdest shit she can possibly find on the internet. And then I get a steady stream in my inbox. And there's this one person she keeps sending me who like runs around through the woods with a basket of glitter and just sort of does leaps and like throws glitter in the air. And that is the energy I would like to embody going into this today. So I totally see it. I see it. Yes. We're your fairy godmothers hopping through the wilderness. Well, <laughs> so on that note, the yin and the yang, I mean, Jesus, let's let's just like go ahead and dive into that. I think one of my first questions for you is, you know, when we talk about for me deeply funny, right? It's it's exactly this. We can joke around and be silly and playful, but also like at our core, there's this really deep resonance of our heart. And, you know, I think especially when we drop into it like a medium like podcasts, like you can really get in the stream, right? Like you're flowing. The wisdom is just like dropping out of your mouth. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's like people are thirsty, man. Like we want the knowledge. We want to hear that. And I'm curious for you, you know, when you talk about being a medicine worker, it's like kind of an, I used to think that meant like, I don't know, you took people on like ayahuasca trips and the wilderness or something. I didn't know what it meant, but I recently have come to the conclusion and the realization that words words can also be medicine knowledge like when we dispense medicine it's really just getting people what it is that they need so i'm curious if you could talk about what that experience has been like for you as a podcaster as you know it sounds like you've done a lot of different mediums a lot of different ways of being a healer what does it mean to you in terms of dispensing whatever it is that people need i love this question because it's true medicine comes in any in all forms, right? And even, and especially from just life experiences, right? So medicine comes from activations and triggers. Medicine comes from- Oh God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. That was a little painful realization that I hope. <laughs> Medicine comes from like a, a stranger looking at you in the eye with a smile that, you know, catches you off guard and it really touches your heart. Medicine comes from being a podcaster where you're like talking about, you know, doing uh, what I call on my podcast heart transmissions and medicine can be in the form of plant medicine. So, there, yeah, there's all kinds of ways that medicine can be dispersed um, for me as a energy worker and somatic healer a lot of times you know I work in the magical and mystical realm in in the places that are unseen and mysterious so I it comes from like when I, I talk about this on my podcast when I do my heart transmissions I always recommend that people don't like take notes necessarily or even my students and my in my clients I said just open up your body to receive the energy that is coming through my voice yeah right it's just like the frequency and vibration that is moving through me allow it 
to land inside of you, be open enough to receive it. So this is the other side of medicine, which is receptivity. Yeah, There's the giving of it, but it needs to be received in order for it to do its magic. I love that so much. Yes. That ability to both give and receive is what it takes to have and create a healthy community, right? Like we need the balance and you know, you're talking before about yin and yang. It's like that masculine and feminine, the giving, the receiving, like there's clues all over the universe if we just stop for a second and look for them. But, you know, when you were, at least for me, like when you're walking around in the societal conditioning, the culture that we were raised in, it's not always easy to see. This is very true because of our trauma. We have all this pain that lives in our actual bodies. And so that pain can just come out in terms of like walls and defense mechanisms and all these shields and blocking out any kind of connection. And then also not being able to receive because there's those walls there, right? You can't selectively numb. You can't selectively choose. If you have a wall, it blocks both the quote unquote good and bad. And so, um, I think it's really important as we become more conscious and are doing our work, our healing work, to move through life in a place of the universe or source or whatever you want to call it is supporting you, always supporting you, and it's happening for you. So how is this thing in service to me, even a challenge, even a trauma? right? I know that could be edgy for some people to hear, but from my experience, from going through many, many years of darkness and trauma, that now I can see how it was for me, right? Instead of being victimized by it, because I was victimized by it for many, many years. So, you know, that's a very normal part of what happens in trauma. But it doesn't have to stay there. It doesn't have to be solidified in that spot if we are open to seeing the other opportunities and gifts that happen from medicine in all forms. <laughs> yeah. I When you were talking, I was really, like, oh, first of all, I was really moved by that, but it kind of hit me that concept also of, like, taking our own medicine. Like, what is it that we most need? What is it that we can and must and need to give to ourselves, right? That's so powerful. Yes, absolutely. And um, a big part of what I teach is self-intimacy and self-love. And what does that really look like? Because, you know, self-love, people say that all the time. It's thrown around and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other sometimes because it is used so often. But there's so much nuance to it and it doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look, right? Like it doesn't always look <laughs> yes, like- that lesson right, kicks my ass on the regular, man. Like, yeah, I always forget. I always forget. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't mean to turn the tables, but I'm curious, like, would you mind ex sharing something like how that looks for you and you receive something? That you're like, oh, I, I didn't didn't realize that. I think it, you know, yes, I can speak to it. And I I'll give you two answers. So like the regular answer for a human being is just like, 
oh, sometimes I get caught up in like the vision, right? Like, oh, I see that like, oh, I thought it was going to look this way. And then when it comes to me and it's similar, but a little different, or I got the thing I most need, but I didn't realize I was going to like have to get my ass kicked by life first in order to get to it, right? Like, oh, in order to have the life I wanted, I had to become the kind of person who could fit there, right? Or, oh, I had to let go of like these other five or 10 things that were really painful to get to that place. And so it's like, man, I prayed for this. I asked for this. And, you know, I think I'm not really being specific, but it's because this is just such a constant lesson. It's like, that's everything, right? But yeah, when you, when you hold out your hands and you ask for something, it's like, sometimes you don't realize what you're actually signing up for. So that's like, the human answer. (laughs) That's so good. I love this so much because like, that's the beauty and the power and the mystery of the divine. Like, that's what I hear when I, when I listen to you speaking about it, because it's like, yeah, just like if you are looking for a partner and you say you want all these things, it might, this person might come in a totally different form than you ever expected, but they are perfect for you right? And there's a compatibility there. So yeah, you just never know. And for me, the practice is really, again, coming back to that receptivity, you know, really allowing myself to, to take in whatever it is that is coming to me and saying, oh, what is this really giving to me? Like, how can I use this in my life? Or how can I take this and run with it and expand with it? I love that so much. I might be about to start talking about 100 miles a minute. So fasten your seatbelt, everybody. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what's dropping into me. I answered you from the human lens, but often what I actually need is almost like to astral project and like go into the spirit world and like have a conversation with those people about it before I really kind of understand like what is it I'm being called to learn here? Why am I getting my ass handed to me? Like, I know I keep saying that, but like, if you ask for serious transformation in your life and it's like something you actually mean, get ready. Like good things are coming, but it's not just like you're going to, you know, you think you're going to take three steps and get there. You take like two steps and you're off the end of the diving board and you're in a free fall and you're like, oh shit. Like, But it's like, you know, then like your spirit guides are out there yelling, like, it's okay, we have parachutes. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I mean. But right now, that's, that's what I'm like, I'm probably gonna go to diatribe. But like, that's what I keep sitting in. It's like, I've been looking so much at, you know, abundance and how to change my life. I left my corporate job a few months ago, I am in the free fall. Like, I have no qualms. Like, I know I am not standing you know on the edge anymore the ship is not in the harbor like we're out at sea and being in this place you know i'm like okay like let's go i'm ready for the abundance i'm ready for the things to start flowing to me and you know i'm ready for these creative opportunities and then what actually happens is it's like they're there already like you've been doing work like you have gotten yourself into this amazing flow state everything is swirling around you. And I can literally, if I close my eyes, like almost see it, right? Like the vision of it so strong for me. And that's when I I realized like that divine feminine, that receptivity, that softness and opening, that's what it is that I need. And it's like 
that stuff is here already, but you're never going to be able to actually absorb it to let that money into your bank account, to let that love like come into the fiber of your being, unless you can become more porous, right? And that's where I would say for me, it's like spirit is saying, hey, become more like me, like trust yourself. If you become open to your inner knowing, you become open to the wisdom that you've been given, which is that it's okay, it's safe, and it's necessary for you to receive if you want to get all these good things that I've been, you know, bestowing upon me. <laughs> and that is like my innermost wisdom in this moment is it's like, just sit and be steady and be quiet and be still, be listening and be be ready to receive, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, I'd love to kind of hand it over to you because I feel like you're almost like a poet about this when you speak about it, but let's talk about that. Like the divine softening, the femininity, like what does it mean to you to be open and get ready to receive? Mm. Well, first, before I say that, I want to just acknowledge kind of what you said and say it in a different way, which is that from my experience and from holding women through this process, it really does require going through it, right? That the facing of that, the shadows and the darkness and that free fall, like you're talking about and like that, what the fuckness, right? Um, that's, and- you know, that's a good way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what the fuck? It's the what um, the fuckness of life, y'all. That's what we're getting ready for. <laughs> but it really requires this courage, you know, to be like, okay, I'm willing to be in the mystery, in this darkness. And darkness is not bad. I think a lot of times people judge it as this really bad thing, but it's just the unknown, really. And that's what scares most people is that unknown space. And so really it is about this like realization and awareness and consciousness that, you know, we need to go through, not around, number one. And so that requires, you know, healing work in our bodies and minds. But then after that, then there's a space that opens, right? And again, it's not a linear process. This is always moving in spirals and circles over and over and over again until we die. (laughs) So... We're laughing. Kristen just did a little dance. <laughs> I did a little dance. I'm a spiral dance. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Once you figure out life is not linear, like first you're like, oh, it's like a circle. I get it. I get it. I understand shapes now. I get geometry. And then after like your next ass kicking, you're like, maybe it's like not linear, but maybe it's not exactly circle. Oh, maybe it's like spirals. Oh, okay. We're kind of always going in and out of the same thing, right? But we change. It's like, that's the ascension, right? Like we're going up the spiral staircase and I don't know. And then I, sometimes I feel like you like slip and fall through a portal and then you're like back at the bottom again. But I I trust that I'm not right. It's like, I trust that I'm climbing, but man, sometimes that, I don't know. I mean, I just, I never really thought we were going to, I was going to say so many times today, it feels like getting your ass kicked, but like, that's what we're signing up for. Like if you're going on the creative journey, if you're going on a creative path, like, first of all, congratulations, because your life just got a whole lot more interesting. Like, Frodo has left the Shire, y'all. We're out with Gandalf. We're skipping through the wilderness. Like, we got fairies amongst us. They're in glitter out of the bush. Like, it's great. Yes. We're having such a great time. But, like, 
yeah, it's hard. Like it's the hero's journey, like wherever we're going or the, you know, the goddess, like when we rise, like other things are going to fall, like other things are going to fall out and away from you in your life. That's okay. It's like, that's what you signed up for. But, you know, I think about Brene Brown, she talks about getting out in the arena and it's like, yeah, like becoming the gladiator, like pick an archetype, it's out there. But when we sign up to take that journey, it's such a gift. And we would be kind of a fool to think that we're like never once going to get our ass kicked. <laughs> 100%. It's just going to keep happening and happening. But it gets it does get easier. Not meaning that the pain doesn't, you know, sometimes the pain is just as intense. But we have this deeper uh, trust for ourselves, right? Like yeah. you were talking about earlier. Do you trust yourself to hold space for yourself? Do you trust yourself that you can be in any, like the divine has brought you here for a reason yeah. and trusting that as well? Well, and, and yeah, and it's like out of kindness and out of compassion, it's actually building your resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And just like always allowing yourself to take in that that kindness for ourselves. Like for me, I talked about in my last episode, this one degree or 1% shift. And, yeah. you know, I know that we can take big leaps at different times. It really depends. The momentum picks up. But when we're in a place that we are limited in our capacity, sometimes the kind thing to do is to do nothing. And sometimes the kind thing to do is just to move one degree instead of having these ideas of illusionary thinking that we should be somewhere else other than where we are. And this is, you know, very connected to what we've been talking about, about surrendering and receptivity, the feminine energy of Yang, you know, just like, can you trust that life is here serving you in service to you? If you, if you have this perspective, it completely shifts the paradigm because then you're not always blocking and trying to protect yourself. Instead, there's this openness, your body and your energetic system opens to being available for that abundance that you talk about, whether it's community or, you know, partnership or money or purpose work. And I think it's really important to add this community piece because, you know, when we're, we're going through this what the fuckness or, you know, whatever <laughs> that you want to call that process, um, the hero's journey, we can't do it alone. You know, there's yeah. absolutely no way I, I could never I would not be where I am now if it were not for the holding of other people and community. And that's yeah. why, you know, I always recommend to people if you're in a process hire somebody that you trust, that your body and your intuition is guiding you to. Don't try to do it alone. Yeah. I, you know, I released a mini episode this week, which was basically just me going on a rant and then making it a podcast. But um, <laughs> it's all about the power of coaching because it's exactly that. Like I have continued to invest, right? And Sometimes when you're doing a bunch of coaching programs or whatever your practice, you know, however you find those mentors, those guides, that tutelage, sometimes you have to invest. And when you're spending a lot of money and you go, what am I doing? Like, is this me not being confident? Is it me not trusting that I can do it? You know, I can do it myself. 
And that's a real thing, right? Like, I mean, sometimes people do that. We have to take a step back and go, hmm, you know, am I ready now or am I still in school? And I think that's what I realized is like, I am in school right now. Like, I am going back and getting a PhD and being my motherfucking self. It is a doctorate program. It is going to take a lifetime. I mean, eventually I'll graduate, but whatever. Then you got to do your continuing ed. So, you know, it's like I've been spending thousands of dollars for years to invest in myself. And it's not because of anything other than I trust in the power of coaches. I understand that even listening to a podcast, like, great, one coaching thing that might be free. But like, there's an energetic exchange, right? Like, this is my community service. Like, this is how I volunteer is I show up for y'all every week and I'm building a community. And right now it may not look like anything, but I trust the seeds. I see it. I see what's rising. And I'm open that, you know, also if it changes and it looks different and it's like, oh, I thought it was going to be this. Then instead of going right, I went left. Like, that's okay. I can evolve with it. But, you know, building a podcast is like opening a business or establishing a creative practice. Like we love, oh my God, this is so funny, but love is a sacred act of devotion, right? And when we get up, it's like the mother with her baby or whatever aspect, but like we get up, we do a sacrifice, we do it over and over and over again. And just that act of love and devotion, it's like, it's so sacred. And that's why we talk about like building a creative practice or whatever it is you want to do in your life. For me, it's writing. I am incredibly resistant. Like I'm a writer and I refuse to write. I won't do it. (laughs) And because life is kind, it's like, okay, we hear you. We get it. Have you tried a podcast? What if you just had to talk to somebody? Like, can you get the genius out? Can you do it? Mm. And, you know, sometimes when we're unlocking ourselves, it's like, I didn't have like the guts to try comedy for so long. And like, I've started doing stand up, and every time I do it, it's still like a little drama I create inside of myself. Um, But I could do poetry. Like, I knew no one was going to heckle me on stage as I talked about my emotions and feelings. And if they did, like, they're the jerk. But in comedy, if I go up and they heckle me, I'm like, well, okay, that's kind of expected, right? That's what's like, it's all the same stuff. Like the way it comes out, that that can change, that can flow. But I, that's the thing that I would say to anyone who's feeling stuck or you don't know where to start. It's like, just find a place where you can be flowing and just get in the energy and do it and then it'll get easier. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, allowing yourself to see yourself. You know, I talk a lot about transparency. It's like, and that really requires you to meet yourself where you are have this intimate relationship where you're listening to yourself. You know, so often in culture, uh, society, in the collective, people are so focused on the external results and external dynamics to confirm their own worthiness. And so I always remind people to be honest with themselves, to meet themselves, turn that arrow around that's pointing outwards, inwards, to really do that inquiry of what is alive in your body, what is alive in you that is asking or even maybe begging for attention, right? Begging or asking for love or healing or holding. And this kind of work, this internal work, um, is the foundational work. Because from here, 
then we can overflow <laughs> into the external realm, right? Then we can <laughs> yeah. bring the creation into the outside. But it really does have to start within. And um, I find that many people don't want to be with themselves. And that's where, you know, this work around self-intimacy begins. Can you actually be with you even just for like small moments you know like if most of your day is filled with distraction can you create just a little bit of time just to be with you and see what that feels like and it may be an uncomfortable it probably will be if you're used to not being with yourself but that's part of just like when you go on a first date Right, it's a little awkward, or you might be a little uncomfortable. You know, not know how to. <laughs> My first date of dating myself, I'm like, oh, hey, right. girl, I don't really know what this. I don't know how to spend time together. I feel a little awkward. Should we put some music on? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> yes, I've you know, I've spent like seven years dating myself, and you know, we're more comfortable now. But I remember those awkward first dates for sure. Yeah. And then just letting that expand and then second, third, fourth, fifth date, and then you're dating for a while. And then it just becomes this beautiful relationship with yourself, <laughs> right? Like this right? really gorgeous, fun, delightful, deep, introspective, tender, vulnerable relationship. I love that song. I'm going to give y'all a juicy nugget. Um, this one, courtesy of my first life coach ever. Her name is Carissa. I have no idea if she's still practicing. I haven't talked to her in like a decade. But her definition of flirting, we talk about self-love, but like, I don't know, maybe a little self-infatuation can't hurt, right? Like, why not play with yourself? Why not flirt? And her definition of flirting was just enjoying yourself in the presence of another. And I think that's even true. Like, we don't need anyone else physically around, right? Like, I flirt with myself like kind of daily. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that is exactly it that really is it's like allowing that turn on inside of you right it doesn't have to be sexual but like this lit up feeling to just like it's electric it's like it's, yeah. you start to feel it in your body and I in the mirror I do a lot of mirror work and I teach a lot of mirror work um and one of the things I recommend to my my people is to just stop and connect with your eyes on a deeper level, like a soul level, and then start smiling at yourself. Like it's a, it's so magical what happens when you start like just flirting and smiling with yourself in the mirror. And then you start to feel and receive, wow, I'm so beautiful. Like I really love like how this feels like, can I have more of this? You know, you just want more and more of that kind of connection. And we do have to begin with us. And the mirror is a great way to do it because so many people don't like to look at themselves or they're just using it as a, a functional tool. But it it can really reflect to you the deepest parts of yourself, tender parts, like working with the body. You know, I do a lot of work with the body, really maybe even being naked with yourself, right? In the mirror, dancing in the mirror, just really witnessing yourself, right? That's the work of also the the beautiful part of being in community and healing is that you get to be witnessed, but also it's important to witness and see yourself naked, figuratively and literally. Yeah, 
All right. So I'm taking us, <laughs> I'm taking, I just want to like be so playful right now. My inner child is shouting like, I like her. I like her. Let's go to recess. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. But like, hold on just like a second. There's like a thought, you know, that I also am having. <laughs> Hi, little one. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I'm like literally my inner child is very loud. She likes to come out, but <laughs> hey girl you're welcome to come to the party as well um here's my question for you Poe so I've been working on this new poetry piece and um I am a poet I haven't been writing much but like sometimes like I write poetry like me sitting down with a notebook a lot of times I write poems when it is like life is trying to get me to deeply process and something will come to me and it like won't go away until I stop and pay attention to it. Like I don't see spirits, but like, I imagine this would be like that. Like you're like, Hmm, there's this person who's like standing in the corner of my room and they won't leave me until I like go and work with them. Right. And Persephone just like kept coming up. I even like met two humans, like, you know, like but someone like commented on my post and their name was Persephone. I'm like, no one's name is Persephone. Like, this is the Matrix. What is up? Like, it just kept coming up. And I'm like, hello, goddess of the underworld who ate pomegranate. That is all I know about you. What do you want from me? And I kept ignoring it because it felt dark. And because sometimes my faith or my practice in the past, like, that feels sticky. And so... I literally like wrote it on my mirror because like I kept feeling like I was not going to sit and do it. So I wrote on my mirror so that every time I go in my bathroom and I look in the mirror above me and lipstick, because that's all I had to write with, it says, say yes to the goddess. Mm. Ooh, I have chills. And I, it was to remind me to write the poetry piece, but like I'm literally just right now in this moment realizing like it's also so that I can recognize that goddess in myself, like that was the message i may not see spirits but i'm kind of recognizing like oh they've been here <laughs> and they, they threw me have like flowed through me they have literally like manifested like the creation of this actual poem this thing written on my wall like that i can stare at and see myself through their lens um but that's in writing this piece like i've really been exploring the themes of persephone and like what you know she has to teach us and going into that kind of liminal space of its flow state, you know, that's, I guess what we would call it, but there's beauty and darkness and light and like Persephone, you know, the story of her is like, she gets basically taken, like it's out of control, her circumstance. She's a maiden. She's playing in the field, really kind of representing that young, naive, innocent inner child. And literally what happens is that the earth splits and Hades, who, you know, it's like the whole, like, the Greek gods, right, or whatever. We have Zeus and Hades and Demeter and all of the, the gangs all here. But Persephone is playing in a field, and the earth splits open, and it literally, like, takes her into the underworld, where she basically is forced into becoming the bride of Hades. Um, or at least that is how they would have us look at this. <laughs> um, Persephone, whether or not she's tricked, you know, it's it's always kind of up in the air, but she ends up eating the six pomegranate seeds. And because that is the food of the dead, um, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean or something like they touch the treasure and it's cursed. And I wish I could do the accent, but I can't. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like once you take the thing that is cursed, like then 
oops, like you're screwed. You're effed. Um, but so that's what basically happened for Stephanie <laughs> is she went down, she ate the pomegranate seeds. And then basically it's like, okay, like now you're stuck. Demeter, her mother was pissed. She was like, the earth will never be pregnant again, y'all. I am withholding my services. Um, the other gods were kind of like, hey, I think the earth is dying and like people need crops. And so they're like, all right, let's work out a deal. So Zeus comes down, they figure it out. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying my take on Greek mythology right now. Oh my God, I'm learning so much. This is so great. <laughs> yeah. So Zeus, so like Zeus comes down and he's like, Demeter, you're kind of going nuts. And she's like, they took my daughter, they took Persephone. And he's like, all right, all right, what if we work out a plan? And so basically they get Hades to agree to it and they decide that she's going to spend six months and six months, kind of like a split custody kid, right? So she gets six months with mom up in the springtime. And that's like when Demeter is in a good mood, like the earth will bloom, right? Like things will come in because she's happy. So Persephone's not really doing it, but she's kind of creating those conditions because mom's in a good mood. And then she goes back to the underworld and spends six months um, with her husband, with Hades. And that is, you know, the winter and the fall. Mm. So this is like the the archetype, the theme, the myth. Um, and who which knows? Is, maybe which is yin and yang. Yeah, it is. It's like, yeah. it's all there. And even it's so interesting. So that's kind of the myth. That's how the story gets told. What Persephone, I feel like, was coming to teach me and what, you know, eventually flowed out of me and will be this poem that I'm going to put into the real world is that's not really her story. I mean, that's one part of it, but for her, she had freedom of choice, right? Like she knowingly partook, like she ate that and there's a sacrifice and it almost like kind of exactly mirrors the parallels of Jesus actually, but it's like that innocence, that lamb, right? Like the youthfulness, the innocence, like, and then that sacrifice. And it's like, they know what they did. They know what they gave up, but they did it like so that they could truly be free. And even though like maybe she was kind of trapped in the underworld or whatever, right? Like the earth split open, that was outside of her circumstance. She couldn't control what happened, but she could choose like how she moved forward with it. She could choose what came next. And in order to kind of rule and become the goddess of the underworld, like when she consumed that food of the dead, when she said, okay, like I'm going with this, that's when she could actually rise. Like that's when the goddess could transform. And she went from being the maiden to like, the princess or the priestess it's like that's actually when her power came in that's when she got flooded with what she would need to assume her responsibilities and i think because it's kind of like ooh, the underworld the darkness like i wasn't very receptive to that but eventually what i came to see is like i mean man this is so sacred right and even just seeing that parallel of like you know just jesus and sacrifice and you know she's like if i had stayed like in the maiden, if I had stayed in the field forever, I mean, that was the path maybe her mom wanted, right? Like that was her mom's path. But she's like, this one is mine. I got to take it. And just when we say yes to the goddess, you know, I'm like, what does that mean? And it's like letting that softness and that free will and that power to choose and become the creatrix, letting that mystery and that magic become effuse in our own life and move through us like that's what it means to me to say yes to the goddess mm, that's beautiful i love that so much and you know this whole part of the story where they say she was trapped i mean i don't know about the story that much but 
I start to question, yeah, was she really trapped? Like, it sounds like a beautiful flow between yin and yang, the masculine and feminine energy. And there is so much demonizing of the underworld, the mystery, the darkness, but there's not, there's, it's not evil. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong in there. It's just that people don't know the, the realm of the darkness where when we allow ourselves to go into that space, what happens is that we get to cultivate power. We get to cultivate deep love in the darkness. And so for me, all of my embodiment and all of my expansion has been from being willing to go in, in and through that space. And you, you can't avoid it. Like you can't outrun those kinds of things. I mean, you could, yeah, people die without ever doing that kind of work, but I don't know how totally happy or joyful they are. I don't know. I, I haven't talked to every person on the face of the earth, so I don't know, but I know <laughs> from what I've experienced and what I've witnessed in people, this is really where they cultivate that deep level of compassion for themselves and for the world and other people. And I love this story. I got chills as you were talking about it. And I love that image of you like looking in the mirror uh, with the lipstick on the mirror and realizing this is more about you seeing your own. I mean, that's kind of freaky deaky, right? <laughs> I love it. Like, but it's like, wow, you know, it's not just for this poem only it's, for you, you know, it's, you. it's all unfolding. It's all happening for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And man, yeah, I just, I like kind of, I'm just like, all right, Poe, go on a heart transmission right now. Let me shut up. But <laughs> like, I think that's where I'm so curious and where I feel like you're the perfect guest as I'm exploring these archetypes of divine feminine, because, you know, it's like, that's what I'd love to hear from you because as I was writing this poem, what it was doing was like allowing these whole other worlds to open up. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was gifted a free ticket to go see Into the Woods on Broadway. And it's like a musical. It's essentially it takes all these old stories, right? Like Little Red Riding Hood and Jack and the Beanstalk and Cinderella. It takes all these like fairy tale romance and everybody gets exactly what they want. And then like act two is like, all right, great. You got it. You had fame, you had a baby, you had a child, you got married, you're rich beyond your wildest dreams. Now what? And basically the whole thing, like, you know, I could go into the play, but what's more relevant is just to say, as I explore these archetypes of divine feminine, it's like, you know, we look back at like becoming the witch, like, you know, how that got rejected and, you know, the power as we rejected divine feminine in our society. And as that's just gotten cast aside and cast out, what are our stories? Because, you know, I think what I'll say the powers that be, right? Like, but like, as we look at our cultural stories and everything, there's a lot of conditioning to not trust. And it's like that whole thing about going into the woods, like in every fairy tale, it's, it's present. And it's like, children get eaten by the witch. Don't go into the wilderness. She can't trust it. If someone offers you respite, you know, if you're in a cold, dark wilderness and a strong, powerful woman comes out of her house and offers you a cup, don't drink it. When in reality, it's like, that's us. The medicine. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe she was offering some psychedelic. <laughs> yeah, she was like, here, go on a trip. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they're like, I think she ate me. And it's like, you just had a bad trip. Maybe. <laughs> I think I just reverse engineered it. That's what happens. I'm not a bad trip. They were running out of the woods and said, she's crazy. Okay, now we know. Mm, yeah. I'm just kidding. But I'm like, I don't even want to disrespect that archetype of like the witch. But I think for me, it's like all those parts that we've been told that should be rejected and that we can't trust and that, you know, feel evil or feel darkness. Like, I mean, it's like centuries, thousands of years of history, however long we've been passing down these stories that have been handed to us. It's like, we kind of have to create a new one. Like we have to write our own fairy tale. We have to write our own bedtime stories. We have to recreate the world that maybe we wished we live in children or what it could have looked like to be safe and start to pass down and hand on those new stories. But yeah, like where I'd love to just invite you in if you want to take the reins is like talking about what it looks like when we really do embody our divine feminine, like when we really allow ourselves the power to trust, like what is it that it can give rise to in us? Oh my goodness. It, I would say first and foremost is a deep level of peace in your body. I mean, it, it gives us all. It, it literally gives us the abundance and the life we want, but it may not look the way you think. It might not be that shiny, glittery stuff that you think, oh, uh, all this money, right? Which it could be that too. But from my experience, it's like, it's this deep, satiating fulfillment and peace of mind peace in the body, being in the flow of life, right? And feeling alive. Like, again, the external things are amazing. I'm, I'm not anti-external material things at all. Absolutely not. But I do believe and prioritize the internal well-being, no matter what, because you can have all those things on the outside and still feel like shit on the inside. And many people can relate to that, right? So, when we allow ourselves to surrender into this feminine yin energy, there's such a softening that happens, one, to our nervous system and to our body on a cellular level. But then this softness allows like a connection. It allows intimacy. It allows what's really important in life right? It, it allows us to even see and prioritize the importance of life and let a, let those pieces that you thought were important to dissipate and become more discerning about what is true and real versus some kind of illusionary um, reality that you may have been attached to, right? Based on thinking that it's what's going to make me happy. But creativity is also another piece. Like when you are in the feminine energy, there's an openness, like your channel is more open. Like you talked about being more porous, the, the creative flow starts to happen. So creativity doesn't mean just fine arts, right? It, it could be the healing arts. It could be um, tapping into your intuition. It could be creating a podcast and letting your voice open in that way. It could be in all kinds of forms. And that kind of openness really does 
allow us to tune into that divine source that flows through us. You know, I know you were talking about this earlier that we've been repressing and containing the feminine energy for many, 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 many years, centuries. And, but I also noticed that people have been in this process while talking about the divine feminine, then they start to demonize the masculine. Right. And so I always want to say that I don't demonize the masculine. Like yang is just as important as yin. There's no prioritizing and making a hierarchy here, right? It's really about allowing the two energies to be one and to flow together. So this is, I know, more abstract, and I don't know if your listeners are, you know, um, able into this kind of uh, teaching, but it's important to realize just on a practical level that when we move through life, when we're focused on the goal and and not on our well-being, that's being like more on the toxic masculine, as they would say. Like that's a very big generalization. But the the but the mind is so powerful and so supportive and serves the feminine. So that's the way the dynamic I talk about is that the masculine serves the feminine. The feminine allows the desire, right? You feel the desire from the feminine energy. And then you can use your mind and those other masculine tactics to support in the creation of that desire to come to be. Yeah. And also I would say in terms of divine feminine, like connecting with that energy, the level of uh, intimacy that you can have with yourself and another becomes so beautiful. You know, I talk about sex in my podcast as well. And because of my work in surrendering to this feminine energy, I've been able to open up to the space of deeper connections in romantic relationships, in friendships, in community, in my work. It literally touches every aspect of your life. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I think traditionally, historically, I've always leaned way further into my divine masculine and not like to say that I'm not feminine because of course, right? And I, I have incredible, like the softest touch, like there's there's feminine parts of me. But the one thing that I really learned to be true is that when you trust your divine feminine and divine masculine, when you trust that balance, it's like, oh, I'm actually okay like i'm okay i can be safe it's okay to be soft and i can release right and to me it's like divine masculine is the container and divine feminine is like meant to be more like the fluid the liquid it's like masculine is holding it but when you don't have both and they're not flowing healthy like we have to like both be the water and become our own container and it's quite uncomfortable right and so to me what it means is like that ability to trust and just accept like all the parts of who I am and let them just kind of become that healthy mixture. It creates so much more ease and relaxation in my body and my nervous system and my life. Like I can deeply relax and deeply trust. And, you know, when we go into the realms, like with pleasure, it's like, Oh, what that's given me is the ability to deeply really enjoy myself. Like I can experience all of this. Like I can feel the touch of the like your breath on my skin or 
a cool breeze, like on a misty morning, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest and like, you can take a sexual hike in the wilderness, like feeling that cool air hit your skin. And, you know, like I said, life is flirting with us. Like <laughs> life wants to be playful. It wants to be sensuous and didn't. And that's true. Whether you're a man or a woman, it's like when we can relax and release and let both sides come to play with us. Like, yeah, I mean, life, can be like sex right and it that also is not bad it's like how do we honor all parts of us and physical touch is a love language like that's a primary way of experiencing the world for a lot of us and you don't have to physically you know have sex in order to experience intimate touch and that's been a huge life lesson for me yeah even self-touch you know like this piece around just the self-intimacy part where we're just being with ourselves doesn't not only mean stillness and sitting in meditation it can be exploring our bodies in whole new ways right it doesn't have to be sexual um like in our genitalia it could just be touching <laughs> no our it doesn't arm. <laughs> spoiler alert for anyone who was just listening that's right genitalia you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> i usually use other words but i'm uh... <laughs> no like my inner child is like on the ready she's like haha i'm gonna laugh at that <laughs> Nuts. She said nuts. Did you hear it? <laughs> oh, God. Completely irreverent behavior. Hello. What's up? <laughs> if I don't like make myself cry laughing at least like once or twice a day, like, you know, did I really live it? Was I really here? We don't know. Oh, my God. Laughter is talk about medicine. Oh. Laughter is such amazing medicine. I honestly do not know what I would do without that kind of medicine. Like my <laughs> laugh is so fucking loud and so <laughs> ridiculous that it literally can shake a room up. And <laughs> so it's not only medicine for myself, but for other people who get to experience it. <laughs> no, that is so freaking true. I, I like throw my head back. Like I've like literally conked my head so hard so many times because when oh, I yeah. laugh a lot, like I, I crank my head back and Same. I'm, like, I'm going to severely injure myself one of these days like this, but you know, Hey, maybe it'll be worth it. I don't know. It's a whole <laughs> body experience for me. Like I cannot like hold, contain it. And this is a lot of the work I do too, is like around full expression, you know, like not containing when we talk about the darkness. It's also about bringing freedom to these parts of us that have been contained. And some people contain their laughter, some people contain their joy, their grief, their anger, right? So how can you allow yourself to shed these layers so that, and then thaw and soften so that this expression, this, this energy, these emotions can move freely through the system. And when you start to do that, your body already starts to relax because it takes so much energy to contain and hold it in. And so that's a big part of the work that I do too, is like, how can you really just let these energies move through you without resistance, without fear, just really playing with that expression? I love that. Yes. Yeah. I, Ooh, yeah, that's like good stuff, baby. I started doing improv like about a year ago. Actually, I heard you mention this on your podcast. So I was living in New York City up until just a couple months back. 
Um, I started taking improv and it was because like during the pandemic, I was like, where's everybody? Like nobody wants to come over and play with me. Like, but, but I'm so playful and like, I can play with myself. And I did that, but eventually you're kind of like, are there any other kids on this playground? Like where are all the adults who, you know, have not given up? (laughs) And I think that like laughter for me, it is liberating. It's liberation when we, especially when your life is presenting you with circumstance. Like if you can laugh in the face of challenges, not like defiantly, like, ha ha. But like, if you can just actually find the humor in it, like, it's kind of hard to rattle me, you know? I mean, I I get rattled all the time, but it's like we keep ourselves in these cages. And there was this monk that came one time. I used to work for Starbucks for a very long time at like their corporate headquarters. And Howard Schultz would bring in these speakers like all the time that would speak. They had thousands of people who worked there. Like Oprah came more than once. That was amazing. It was like five feet from her. I'm like, wow, you know, just touch me, like throw some glitter in in my path. Like, you know, women were like standing on tables and screaming. It was awesome. <laughs> Suze Orman came once, like people weren't screaming on tables, but I mean, it was crazy. Like they had, you know, these huge conference rooms that they would book people in. But when I first started working there, like I worked there for probably eight years, they didn't really have like a proper auditorium. They just had these conference rooms that could hold not enough people, right? Like, I don't know, maybe it would hold like a hundred people, 200 people comfortably, but they had like 600 people who would show up or something so one time they had this monk come and we were sitting in this little conference room in the middle of the building called Tazo 7 and it was like the heart it didn't hold that many people but it was what we had and this monk came and they put them in Tazo 7 like right in the heart of the building and they didn't really advertise it it wasn't like when Oprah came and women were like screaming and throwing pumpkin spice lattes through the halls right like (laughs) (laughs) they just put a couple flyers up and they said, there's a muck coming. He's coming to talk about corporate burnout. And, you know, he'll be here Thursday at noon and toss at seven. And I walked into that room like I had a hundred times before. It was packed. I have never seen more creatures like packed into a little conference room. And, you know, like especially in a professional like corporate sense, like usually it's like People sit in the chairs in the neat little rows. Maybe they stand in the walls and then that's it. Like if there's not room, people are like, I'm just going to go back to my desk. You know, we were lined up like literally like little children, like crisscrossed applesauce, like stacked in rows, like packed into that arena. And, you know, at the time I had never sat in front of like a guru or a monk, like I've never done sat song yet. I had never seen what that looked like. I'd never felt what it was like to just be so severely in someone's physical presence. But that day, like a very powerful seed in my life got planted. And what that monk said, you know, when he looked at us, like he looked directly at me, it was all of us, but he, he looked directly at me. He spoke right into my spirit. And he said, you know, if you're feeling burnout, like come and play and laugh with us. Like that was basically his medicine. And I have no idea the actual words other than like, you know, two or three things that he said. But like one of them is like every day when he first wakes up, he has a two or three minute ritual. And he's like, I don't sleep a lot. You know, he's like, I only need to sleep like three, four hours. I don't need to sleep eight hours a night. Um, But not like, you know, when we say that like hustle culture, like Silicon Valley, you know, I don't sleep like that's not what he was getting at. 
but he wakes up, he's energized, and then he gets up and he sits on the edge of the bed and he puts his feet on the ground and he kind of like rubs his hand together, right? Like he builds some heat. Can you hear it? <laughs> and like, you know, he builds some heat. And then he puts his hands on his eyeballs, like touch, 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 you know, warms his face up and then kind of like rolls his shoulder back. And then he literally like puts his hands down on his thighs and he goes, and then every day I laugh, I go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and we're all just like watching him and again okay corporate job starbucks corporate environment howard schultz like what are we doing and he goes try <laughs> and then i watched this conference and you know, everyone kind of awkwardly like looks around a little and he's like do it do it again and he like makes us all like rub our hands together and touch our face and pat ourselves down and kind of give some like little slaps and then he made all of us open our mouths and stick our jaws out and go ha 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 <laughs> and what I found, <laughs> and this is a ritual I have kept with me all of my life when I'm in a funk, is like <laughs> if you make yourself do it, the chances are you are going to organically laugh immediately following because it feels crazy. Like you're like, oh, I feel like a crazy person. But there were days during the pandemic when I'm like, I don't know, I was alone a lot. Like I don't have a pet, nothing weird happened, like no chaos. And chaos is kind of funny. Like, you know, when your cat throws the coffee mug off, you're you're like, all right, well, that was unexpected. And so, yeah, I just started to make myself laugh, like little by little, day by day. And something about that monk, like he gave me such a present just by being in his presence and learning how to laugh. Yes. I mean, it's so funny. Many people have asked me to do like a laughing workshop or something like that because I'm known for my laugh. But I know exactly what you mean. My dad is an enlightened master and he has gotten younger the older he gets he's yes. 91 years old and it's there's this youthfulness that is coming out even more because the layers that's our essence you know this this <laughs> part of us so it it makes sense when we get older that we start to get more youthful if we're in that shedding if we're allowing those layers to go but watching my dad laugh is like the most joyful experience for me because you can just feel the pureness you know of joy and also i wanted to say that i feel like a lot of people are, are more afraid to have feel good yeah. you know and to like have that joy or the peace and so that could be part of the reason why they avoid the darkness and going through that part because it's scary to have it all and to break through that ceiling or expand your capacity to the next level because there's so many stories that can be attached to that. Oh, what if I have this or receive this? I might lose something or I might lose friends or, you know, whatever it is for the person. But I, I feel like the whole point of like laughter and embracing your joy is so important and is a sim is symbolic of how willing are you to really have the life you desire and live the life you, that you desire that you say that you desire because <laughs> you can say it as much as you want right but that doesn't necessarily mean anything and I'm not saying that in a in a oh you're wrong kind of way or in a judgmental way, but 
you know, words are powerful and they also have limitations. You, you need to actually take the steps towards it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to act. Eventually you have to act, right? Eventually you have to act and eventually you have to allow that goodness in again, coming back to the receptivity piece. Yeah. No, that's, that's okay. Yeah. So I'm saying act, but yeah, sometimes it is about the stillness and just going, okay, like I'm, I'm holding me, like I'm holding me down so that I can. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I know you get it, but it's like, it's fluid. It's circular. It's like the rhythm of life that moves through us. Like, Mm, I, I have a lot of unformed thoughts that look like colors and shapes in my mind. Can you all picture that? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what I was thinking about when you said that is like, it's like our spoonful of sugar. You know, that thing from Mary Poppins. It's like a mm-hmm. spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, life's like, hey, we're going to give you this medicine. And sometimes it's going to feel like a real kick in the pants. But laughter is your spoonful of sugar like it gets to be sweet like if you can develop the sense of humor to kind of play with yourself and like you know experiment with your life like that's your spoonful of sugar it's gonna help even you know not all medicine is so difficult some medicine doesn't taste that bad but you ever eaten like raw ashwagandha I don't know well well, let me tell you I was (laughs) I was raised drinking Chinese herbal medicine because my stepfather growing up was a Chinese herbal doctor and a grandmaster of martial arts. So I was raised drinking the most bitter herbal teas you can even imagine. And my mom would always give me this rock candy afterwards to to help it go down afterwards. Um, but it's it's like, yeah, that sugar is so important. And can it, I, when I think about bringing in the sugar into our life, it's also like laughing at god to me like yeah life is so funny like it's so wild and perfect (laughs) and crazy and oh my god god like (laughs) here we go you did it again god has an excellent sense of humor oh my god you don't see that yet it is literally just because you like have not yet created that capacity and, and to receive that in yourself because trust me <laughs> it's out there <laughs> it, it really keeps me going and it cracks me the fuck up because i'm like it couldn't be more perfect you know even in in the craziest and most traumatic and painful experiences i look back and i'm like wow that was so perfect oh my god right and, and we don't see it like you can't see it yet because we see things like in the linear like you know we're in three dimensions we're strapped down by time we don't see it but like when you can free yourself like if you're given that sweet gift of being able to go up to a higher dimension and look down and like see yourself you know from like through god's eyes like from a higher realm like then a point becomes a line becomes a sphere it's like you see yourself from this image of completion and like if i'm holding myself in my hand like a little spherical ball and everything that you know ever was ever would ever will be and exist in my hand and I can see the completion then I can always find the humor in it because <laughs> it's like this is not the end of your path like this ain't it you know yeah and and even if it is like you're forgetting about all the other good stuff that came before that like that totally happen too, right yeah and then laughing at ourselves you know like I love making fun of myself. I love it when my friends <laughs> make fun of me. I love it when my when I'm in a relationship and they make fun of me. You know, like it, it's 
to me, having a sense of humor about your own stuff is like such amazing medicine and it keeps me on my toes and like, yeah, does I'm not so serious about, oh, I have to be this ideal perfectionistic, you know, person. I can just be me and I'm full of messiness and imperfections and am human and I love all of it, right? Yeah. Can we actually embrace and accept and pour love onto all the pieces of us, you know? And I feel like laughter is a, a great tool to start to incorporate that. <laughs> Have you ever seen those like Pinterest fail things? It's like, nailed it, nailed it. It's like, you did not. Like, no. oh my God. Okay. So it'll be, <laughs> these are like my favorite freaking things on the internet. Um, I say that a lot. I love the internet, <laughs> but okay. So like picture, you know, I'm like Betty Crocker. I've made the perfect home birthday cake. I'm like, my little baby's turning six today. And I've made a cake that looks like a bouncy castle. And I've put like all kinds of incredible, you know, sparklers and icing and fondant. And it's like this beautiful creation, right? And you're like, wow, oh my God, it's like perfect. It's perfect. And then you're like, I'm going to recreate this Betty Crocker bouncy castle cake. And then you go and you get all the ingredients and you're like, well, I don't really know how to do that. I've never actually worked with fondant before. I don't have a sparkler, but I'll just stick like my husband's like lighter in here. It should be fine. Like, you know, then like their cake will like come out of the oven and it looks like, I don't know, it was like a creature from the Black Lagoon or something. Oh my God, they have a show <laughs> called Nailed It on Netflix. Yeah. Oh that... yeah, they made a show out of it. So it started as like memes on the internet. And then they, I forgot. Yeah, like there's that chick that hosts it. It's uh, hilarious. Yeah, and it's like literally just like <laughs> the fucking worst possible version of it. And you're like, yikes. But I love it because it's like just showing off their fails, right? It's like... Here it is, my Betty Crocker bouncy castle cake. And you're like, that looks literally like something like a monster that crawled out of the sewer. And then you're like the kids, like, you know, sitting next to it, like on his birthday, just like, I mean, do I get to eat it? Like, whatever. It's a mess, but <laughs> maybe, maybe I can have a bite and it'll still taste good. We don't know. But I just love that. I just read the book, um, Failure is an Option by H. John Benjamin. Uh, actually, a previous podcast guest recommended it, but he it's the guy who voices archer and bob's burgers if you watch either of those shows but basically he just talks about his life his career his trajectory into voice acting and comedy and how failure wasn't just like part of it right it wasn't like oh i just had to fail a lot but yay then i was successful right he's like that's not it like i just live my life and i failed a lot and like occasionally also a success popped out of it what do you know looky there <laughs> I absolutely love failures. I mean, yes, they can be very painful and uncomfortable and all of that. I'm not like above feeling any of that, but I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have failures. And more than that, the fact that you have failures means that you were courageous enough to do something differently. You are willing to explore on, you know, new territories and go on a new adventure and that's powerful. You know, when I talk about being messy, this is like that failure, like be messy. I think, you know, so we're always trying to like create this illusion of perfection and image and all this stuff, right? Vanity. Oh my gosh. And wanting to be liked, but what if you just let yourself be messy and 
not only for other people to see, but for yourself? Can you allow your life to be a little bit messier? You know, and and I feel like that gives so much permission. Like there's a freedom. Yeah, it's liberating. It takes the pressure off. You're like, oh, I don't have to pressure cook myself. I can just like be real. <laughs> just be real. Just be real. There's so much like amazingness that comes into your life when you just are yourself. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> <And> that- <laughs> you know, I say this kind of a lot, but to anyone in my life who's listening, because I'm like, if you want to quit your corporate job, like, I mean, listen, I highly recommend it. Like, get the fuck out of there, y'all. Run from it. Okay. But, you know, hey, maybe it's not your time yet. Sorry, no pressure, but like, probably leave. But like, in quitting corporate, one of the scariest parts of it is you run out of like excuses to not hide from yourself. For years, I'm like, oh, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do a podcast where I talk about, like, you know, projecting myself out into the astral realm because, like, you know, I'm a project manager. Like, people have to take (laughs) me seriously. What would my direct report say if she heard me talk about, you know, the art of not giving a fuck on my podcast, right? Oh, I couldn't possibly swear on it. And then it's like, I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, people tend to observe you being human anyway, like, whether or not you realize it. But there, you know, there are some aspects that are true. Like, if you're a you know, director at a firm or something like people hold you accountable. And once you run out of reasons to not be yourself, like that's the thing that you have to get ready for is like, once you run out of excuses, you're left with nothing but your own like (laughs) being and you're like, Oh crap. Totally. I completely relate to that. (laughs) Totally. Oh my God. This has been an amazing conversation, Poe. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast, which y'all, I highly recommend it. Oh my God. I had so much fun. My little one definitely was out playing with your little one today. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me here. It has been deeply funny. Um, and the conversation has been so wonderful and I learned a lot about mythology. So thank you for that. Um, people can find me at the That's T A O O F P O.com. That's my website. That's also the name of my, uh, podcast. I'm on Instagram and Facebook under my name. I'm guessing my links will be below and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm active in my stories I love to share. I love to share the realness, the rawness, talk about self-intimacy, energetics, visibility, being seen, all these juicy topics. And um, I would love to connect with your people. So feel free to DM me and reach out and connect. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for playing together today. We had a blast. We'll see you next recess. (laughs) Thanks. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You know, I've had a long-term belief that words find us whenever we need them. So if you're listening today, I trust that these words were always meant to reach you. So thank you so much for tuning in, your tile, receiving them, and ultimately just coming into the fold of the Deeply Funny Podcast. We're so excited to be here and be launched with you guys. We'll be here next week with more conversations from the heart, talking to different creators around what it took for them to get past their blogs, ultimately just start creating and putting their work out in the world. Deeply funny, y'all, because your heart is both.